0: In this multi-dimensional world, much of which is invisible to the eye, a group of non-physical entities have come here to expand our knowledge of how the universe works. These non-physical teachers are called Joshua and they convey their teachings through Gary Temple Bodley. Each week, Gary, with a selection of Law of Attraction experts, open up a round table of thought-provoking discussions surrounding the teachings of Joshua. Joshua's intention is to bring clarity to the listeners through the ever-expanding law of attraction by looking at reality from a new perspective. Welcome to The Teachings of Joshua Roundtable.
1: Hello everyone, this is episode seven of The Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. Each week on this show, we talk about universal laws, the law of attraction, and the mechanism of physical reality. But since the Paris attacks last week, Joshua has been getting a lot of questions. Most of the questions are about the victims and how they were involved. If they were innocent bystanders, wouldn't the law of attraction keep them safe? How did they rendezvous with something they surely did not want? Was it bad timing, bad luck, or just something random? We're going to talk about this major manifestation event and see if we can look at it from a higher perspective. The show will be controversial, and there are few people who will want to see the good that might come from this event but when you understand the purpose of the event, you might just feel a bit better about this and other events like it. We are going through a time of great change and awakening. There are a lot of things going on all at the same time. It seems chaotic, but when you understand what's really happening, you'll begin to feel safer. The question of the week comes from Samantha, my agent. She lives in Spain and she is surrounded by Europeans who want revenge and are full of hatred right now. Joshua's answer to her question is really thought provoking. On the roundtable today, we have Steve Finitza. Hi, Steve. Hey, Gary. And a new addition to the roundtable, Michael Kutzen. Hi, Michael. How are you doing, Gary? Hi, Steve. Hey. <laughs> Great to have you here. Janine's Great away this here. week. Uh, Janine's in a weekend course called Gratitude Training, and when she returns next week, she'll tell us all about that, so I'm sort of interested to hear what Gratitude Training is all about, but it sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. Um, before we begin, though, I'd like to welcome Michael to the show and find out how you heard about Joshua and what led you to wanting to get more involved in talking about subjects like this.
2: Well, oh, thanks, Gary. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, a, a few weeks ago, I hadn't heard of you or hadn't heard of Joshua. I was banging around uh, downloading some podcasts to listen to on my way to the train station or to and from uh, Grand Central. I live in New York City, so to and from uh-huh. Grand Central Station as I'm walking. Uh, and I uh, downloaded uh, some broadcasts on the Law of Attraction Network. There's a show on it uh, that's run by someone named Jules. Right. And you were on it, Gary, and you were talking about Joshua, and you were talking about... Uh, you know, uh, who Joshua is or, or what Joshua is. Maybe that's the more appropriate uh, word for him right. or for, yeah. for a them. Right. Uh, <laughs> boy, I've got to be careful with my articles here and <laughs> my pronouns. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, and I thought, it, you know, I thought it was a really interesting broadcast. And you said that you were starting your radio show or you had just begun your radio show. And I found it, which is about, which in which in my case took a lot of intention because I'm not so great with technology. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> but but I but I found it, great. and I thought the broadcasts were great. And then I asked you, you know, and then well, not you, but I threw you. I asked Joshua a couple of questions, and that's how we got in touch.
1: Excellent. And what did you think of those answers you got?
2: They were terrific. They're they're thought provoking. They're not always easy to deal. No, they're not. You know, they're not something that the, you know, the average person, and I certainly view myself as an average person, at least in certain of, you know, although on the path they're trying to learn. Uh uh, And they're not, uh, they're not easily digested answers, uh, which probably means that they're really good answers.
1: (laughs) Well, when you're in the middle of something and you're asking a question that's important to you you are sometimes tuned more to the issue that you're dealing with than the solution. So Joshua was trying to change your perspective so that you can um, sort of wake up out of the problem and look at the solution. And and for you, it wasn't that difficult. Sometimes though, when people are dealing with health issues, it's very challenging for them. And so they need to read it, the uh, answer over and over and they'll get it. But really – it helps other people a lot more because when it's not your problem, you can learn more about these answers because you're, you know, you're just seeing the solution and it makes sense and you go aha. But when it's happening to you, it's a little bit more uh, intense,
2: right? Or, or like the Paris attack that we're going to talk about today, right? You know, there, yeah, you know, people feel emotion. Yeah, it's a visceral reaction that people have, yeah, right. and and that,
1: myself myself included. Sure, and this is you know for us who are you know talking about certain aspects of reality and how this all works, we have a different perspective which is going to be completely, you know, on the leading edge of thought and radically different from what the normal person would, you know, think right away. And so we'll talk about that and, uh, you know, we were tempted not even to discuss this topic because the way we're going to look at it is going to be different than other people are going to look at it. But. When we break it down based on Joshua's teachings, we'll see that there's something going on here that's for a good cause, and we're going to try and find out what that is. So before we start, Michael, you've got Joshua's quote of the week. Um, For those of you listening, you can get the quote of the week and the question of the week uh, emailed to you every Saturday morning just by going to the Joshua website at at theteachingsatjoshua.com and just click on sign up for the newsletter, and then it comes to you every week. So you can see the pictures and the quotes um, that we're going to be talking about here every week. But while you have that up, Michael, would you go ahead and read that quote?
2: My pleasure, Gary. This is a feeling reality. The only thing that really matters is how you feel. You are meant to feel good. So start demanding and expecting to feel good. If you feel bad, turn the other cheek. Pivot to a new thought. And do whatever it takes to feel better. Move towards feeling
1: good. So, that's why I'm getting chills right now when you read that. But if you think about it, nothing else matters. All that you're really doing when you're existing in the moment is feeling. Um, You're designed to feel good. And the reason it's important to feel good is that how you feel is your vibration. And your vibration is sent out into the universe and responds with a reality that matches how you feel. So if you're feeling good, you're going to have a good-feeling reality. Your life is going to feel good to you more often. It builds up this momentum. If you feel bad, you're going to get reasons to feel bad. Things in reality are going to match how you feel. It's all going to come back to you. It's a mirror to how you're feeling. That's why feeling is the only thing that really matters. But I never heard that said before. I I mean, um, if you uh, think about it, it makes sense.
2: Oh, it sure does. You know, it, it's even, you know, before you take it to that, you know, to the level of it attracting, you know, more of the positive feeling or more of the negative feeling, you know, there is always the expression of how you look at things, whether you look at the glass half empty or the glass half full.
1: Perfect example.
2: And But this takes it to a different level, and it says taking, you know, aside from just looking at something, you know, as a positive or the negative, you know, uh you know and and choosing your perspective and choosing whether you're going to be a miserable person or whether you're going to be someone who enjoys their life. You know, this says on top of everything else the way you look at a particular incident or a particular situation can lead you to the things that you really want.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And um you know, when Joshua receives questions from people, we had one just this week where a lady was going through this chronic irritable 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 bowel syndrome (IBS), and she's you know wants a cure for it. The cure for it is your is a radical change in your approach to life. So for her, she um, created a condition in her body by thinking thoughts of worry and unhappiness. And the symptoms that showed up in this IBS matched how she was feeling before. So there is no pill or treatment that can solve this until she solves, you know, the way that she approaches her life. And most of it for her was fear. And if she could just stop worrying so much um, and and realize that she's safe and protected and taken care of and, and well-being is her you know, main thing that's going on here, then she can, the, then this uh, condition is not needed, not necessary for her to experience anymore, and will go away. But when she looks at that problem as the reason she's not happy because is because of the problem, then she's focusing on the problem, and the problem just gets worse and worse and worse. And she sort of gets stuck in a cycle of looking at something she doesn't like, and then that focus creates, you know, an even more... Uh, horrible feeling for her. So that's true of everything. And that's why feeling good is such an important part. But no one really understands that. You sort of think that you go through life feeling good sometimes and feeling bad sometimes. And it's okay to feel good and okay to feel bad. And no one ever teaches you that. No, it's not okay to feel bad. If you're feeling bad, it's a sign that you're thinking in a way that doesn't line up with what you really want or who you really are. And it's just going to make the reality something that you do not prefer rather than something you do prefer. And that's why focusing on feeling good and what you want moves you towards whatever it is you want.
2: Well, there's, you know, it's interesting. There's, there's so much emphasis yeah, you know, when you when you read about what a psychologist will say or you know or or mental health professionals will say and they'll tell you you have to deal with the things, the bad things that you ha- that happened to you in the past. And I've got to tell you, you know, I hear you know sometimes family members talking about things that happened in the past or something that, you know, horrible that happened. And and you know, the more it seems to me, and I've gotten in trouble for saying this, even long before <laughs> discovering Joshua and discovering uh, and discovering you. Uh-huh. You know, I've gotten in trouble for saying it. You know, saying, "Yeah, you know, why are you dwelling on this? You know, stop wasting your time on this. You know, move on, live your life." <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and maybe I don't say it so politically correctly, at least with family members. But you know, I've got to tell you, you know, there we have a certain amount of. Physical, you know, time in this physical plane and, uh, and spending it thinking about and crying about the bad things that happen just seems like a complete waste of time
1: do you agree with that Steve?
3: well I would say that I think some people come here for the drama oh uh, true so <laughs> I mean, true. it's obviously. Uh, I mean, look at what's on TV and what's on, mo- you know, what you can see at the movies. So or the news. Yeah, Ooh, that's I, true. We, I you know? I think what we can't do, we can't judge that as bad because right. there is no bad. So it's like right. you come here to experience what you want, what you want to get out of it.
1: Right, but you you know if you I think that if most people knew that focusing on what was not wanted or what you think is wrong and it, when you do that it makes it bigger if they just knew that then they could learn to control the thoughts a little bit better and start speaking about what they do want yeah but I, yeah it's hard
3: i would have liked to have known that a long time ago and it kind of if i had to pick something is wrong and i know there is no wrong right. it would be like why isn't this more obvious to us why why isn't why do we have to why did i have to wait till i you know was 40 years into my life before i you know discovered this
1: yeah, it's interesting because how we work as humans. If you touch a hot stove, you immediately pull it away. You don't leave it on there. Like our survival is based on feeling good. If it's raining, we go inside. You know, if it's cold, we, you know, light a fire. We're designed to move towards feeling better. But when we have negative emotions, we don't consider consider that the same thing as you know being uncomfortable. But it is.
3: Yeah, and and I think that there's a there's a certain segment of the population where they feel like well, we're here to toil, right. you know, oh, and, sure. and then right. and then you get the the reward at the end, and it's like that's so it's, true. It makes it like it's this is what we're supposed to be doing, and this is
2: okay,
1: right? No pain, no gain,
2: right? Yeah. Well, and it's also based upon our religious beliefs, sure. Yeah, we we tend, to, you know, that has been the way at least, and I, and I don't think that's necessarily what was intended. By any of the major religions, but at least it come, you know, as it has been interpreted and, you know, and, you know, it's like a game of telephone where you start with an original message and then, you know, by the by the 15th iteration of it. It's not the original message, and it doesn't sound anything like the original message. And I think at least in some traditions, that's the way it's eventually played itself out. Well, you're supposed to suffer. You'll get your reward later. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly.
3: Well,
1: you just think of the Bible as it went through 2,000 years of being transcribed You know, by certain leaders choosing, you know, maybe they will add this aspect here so we can control the population or, you know, I mean— Certainly, Christianity has wanted to expand through getting converts. And so the more that you could you know shape a text to encourage people to join up and then to fight for the survival of this religion, the better chance you are of having the religion survive and keeping people in control. But certainly, there's no printing press, so how did they do it? They had to write it down by hand hundreds of times over and over. And just like you said, the game of telephone, that's a completely different document than what was intended in the beginning.
2: Well, in my tradition, I'm Jewish. And, you know, and, you know, our tradition is that the Torah was handed to uh, Moses on, you know, on Sinai. But the reality is that there is no archaeological evidence. You know, the first Torah that was ever discovered was only discovered, you know, as, a, as an entity uh-huh. was discovered like 100 years B.C., So and in fact, before that, the tradition was that, you know, the individual books were were circulated in in bowls and not in bowls in jars and bottles, just like they were in the where the Essenes were found. So, you know, these things went through many, many iterations, many changes, many hands.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, switch over to our topic today, which is the Paris attacks. I personally don't watch the news. I stopped watching the news uh, a few years ago. Um, but when I when it, I learned about it, I was playing poker in a poker tournament, um, and there were you know TV sets going on, and so you know people are looking at the TV and getting you know texts on their phones, and so it, it rea- you know broke out pretty quickly throughout the whole room of 100 people or 150 people. Um, but it was really interesting to see how people reacted. Everyone was you know instantly negative, so that is a like baseline sort of reaction to something that people perceive as wrong and um, they all wanted revenge so immediately it was like we got to get them back or we got to stop the terrorists we got to change how, the conditions there was actually a guy from paris on the table and one of the other guys says welcome to our war you know, I go. Oh my God! You know, can you? This is our war, and now he's part of it, and we've been fighting this war alone. Is sort of what he was saying the whole time, and now France has been dragged into it along with whoever else is being attacked at the time.
3: Sure, yeah. I, I I don't watch the news either, Gary. So I found uh-huh. out the same way. I was walking by uh, in the break room at work and saw it on TV. So, and I and I haven't actually followed up. I I know little about it. And just deliberately, I even thought about maybe I should be researching it more for the program, and it just didn't feel good. So I said, you know, um, I'm not going to.
1: Well, Michael, you asked a question about it, and you were um, specifically talking about that young woman from America who was studying in France.
2: That's right, because I did hear about it on the news. And uh, they were showing it either on one of the – I think on the local news because she was uh, from the New York uh, metropolitan area. Mm. And, uh, you know, and the question that I asked Joshua was, you know, specifically about this woman. She was a you know beautiful young woman, about 21, 22 years old. And she was sitting at the, you know, she was studying design in France, which was her dream. And she was sitting in the bistro when they opened fire. And, you know, and Joshua's answer was, you know, was, was a fascinating one. You know, it's still one that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with and wrestling with, you know, it's still not an easy answer that in some way that, you know, that, you know, that a, there is nothing, you know, that there is no good or bad about this and death isn't an ending. Right. Um, you know, but it isn't easy. I'll tell you that.
1: Well, it's not easy because we've been trained to think about death as, you know, (laughs) something to avoid at all costs. And that is a horrible thing. And it's, you know, annihilation and end of existence. Um, so one thing in your letter, Josh was saying is that in this time of awakening right now, we are moving from a general state of fear to a general state of love. And as we evolve as humans, we move from fear to love. There's only two things, fear and love. So fear on the left, love on the right, and we're making this transition and these events cause this movement to occur because it affects the mass consciousness of the planet. And interesting thing in this answer was that this event really in numbers is pretty small. 120 something people were killed. I, don't, I think if I had that number, right. And compared to other times, there would have been more people, but now because of the internet and 24 hour news, everyone on the planet, knows about it right so it so it's a huge thing but compared to the holocaust for instance it's minor and the holocaust was also an event like this as well so um this event causes change um go ahead
2: No, I was about to say, you know, the, you're absolutely right about the, you know, the Internet being the big, you know, the big issue, you know, the big thing that made it public, as well as the fact that it was France, mm-hmm. because France, we view, uh, you, know, you know, we in America, at least, view as a country that is, you know, you know, aside from all the jokes that we sometimes make about the French. Uh, you know, there's still an affinity to the French, you know, that we've, you know, that they are, have been part of American history from its very beginning. And, uh, you know, people dream about going to Paris and going, you know, and, and, you know, and love French history and French culture. So there's, there's, you know, there is that particular affinity to it that made it seem like it was an, an ex, you know, I probably, and maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but at least i think that the perception was that france is very you know that attacking france like that right. you know is very much like attacking america you know like or uh, attacking people like americans whereas there was the attack just yesterday in mali
1: exactly that, you're right exactly that, Perfect that, that point, doesn't you
2: know? get that doesn't get the same sort of reaction
1: yeah if this was angola no one would even bat an eye because we perceive that things like this happen all the time there but because it's france um, we take notice. That's right. Um, also, we're talking about the because of the victims too were young, primarily, and especially the one American was very young and beautiful, like you said, and very innocent. So how did she get there? You know. And Joshua said, had it been a group of soldiers, this would be a completely different perspective on it. You know, but because it's innocent you know, citizens, it seems like much more of an outrage.
2: That's right. Well it was like the nine eleven attacks here in New York City.
1: Which you live in New York, right?
2: Yeah. I I not only live in New York, I started my career in two world trade and I work to this day in the Empire State Building. So we're you know I'm acutely aware of nine eleven.
1: <laughs> so then okay, so if we look at the event of nine eleven, for me it was like Oh my God! What have we done to cause such rage? And that was before Joshua, really. But in, I would never state that aloud to anyone at the time. But when you get punched in the face by a stranger, you sort of have to say, "Well, was this random, or did I do something here?" And um, what? And, and then if you look at what happened after 9/11, we invaded um, Iran. I mean, um, Iraq and. Sort of stirred up a hornet's nest. It seems I don't think if we made any progress. I just think things got worse.
2: Well, we started originally with Afghanistan, and then we and then uh, Iraq. You know, Iraq was they, they tried to tie it in with uh, mm-hmm. what happened with uh, the with the uh, terror with Al Qaeda, but right. it was never really a very strong uh, connection. The the ostensible grounds for going in were weapons of mass destruction.
1: Right. So then you go into a foreign country, you. Um, take it over, and then you have these atrocities that occurred in the prison there with the humiliation of the prisoners um at uh Al rape yeah, and so that just fuels hatred against you even further as a people, and so then it's easy for them to recruit people who want to go and and fight this jihad against. Who they perceive as um, evil.
2: Well, it also, you know, it, there is also the theory that, uh, you know, a Saddam Hussein, you know, it, it, you know, well, again, I guess speaking from my lesson, my non enlightened position was not a mm-hmm. particularly nice guy in terms of right. things he did. The question always was, was he was there worse? You know, <laughs> yeah, and we're finding out.
1: That there are, yeah. So then, um, to battle this fight more effectively we get drones and so now the drones are really this terror w- weapon there because you know you can't see them you can't defend yourself against them you never know when it's going to happen and it comes out that the drone attacks you know 90 percent of the people who are killed are not the targets so that feels more people to want to fight and then the only way that they can fight is to do terrorist attacks which you know might as well be called um, resistance fighters or whatever. So it's obvious by looking at what's been going on for years and years that fear and trying to eradicate an enemy is just not the solution. Um, so what is a the solution then? And if you were listening to what Joshua was saying, that there's two choices that you can make, love or fear. You can't choose both. You can only choose one. We've been going down this path of fear, you know, fearing terrorist attacks, fearing you know, what they could do, and fighting against it with a huge military machine. But is it effective? And we can see that it's not effective. And that, you can say the same thing about the drug, drug wars too, fighting against what they were fearing um, and putting a lot of energy into it, and the drug you know, culture is just blossomed like crazy. And now we're starting to see that marijuana is being accepted. And um, it was just this week, I think, that the minister in England for health said that had they done this, you know, hundred years ago and legalized pot, they would have had alcohol on the category, you know, twenty-sixth um, down the list with other, you know, narcotics and drugs and stuff like that. He was actually fired for saying this, but. Um, it's you know this fight against things just isn't working and acting out of fear can never work but acting out of love leverages the forces of the universe and acting out of love is really the only practical solution
3: so I, my question there is how does Joshua say that because this obviously this Paris attack created outrage but right. how do they make the leap how does the mass consciousness make the leap from outrage and anger to, to love I I don't see the direct, like the 9-11 event, you know, it's, we've had quite a few years and have we seen that shift?
1: Well, like Michael was saying earlier, when we were talking before the show, there was a lot of outpouring of love initially. Um, And this is actually what Samantha's going to talk about when we get into that. But what we're, I think it's a longer term view. And as more of us get enlightened, we can look at subjects like this and we can see that fighting against them doesn't work. And so, when more and more things happen like this, let's take another example. school shootings, for instance. So when you're when you're facing a school shooting, there's really nothing you can do. How can you stop a school shooting from starting? Um, and you and people sort of have to give up. So what they do is they start as saying, well, it's easy to love children, or if you have a like Columbine, You hate the two kids that pulled it off or the three kids that pulled it off. But prior to that event, you love all children. And now after that event, you can say, well, let's see if we can come up with ways to support these kids so that they never get into the situation where they're left out of the system where they feel neglected or whatever. And some amazing things have happened in Colorado as a result of this. And so they're really proactive about it now. And the result of it is creating a school environment where millions of kids don't suffer silently, and now people are addressing bullying and um, a lot of other issues in schools that they had not addressed before. Well, it's a little bit different here because we sort of think that the Muslims are, in certain Muslims or uh, radical Muslims are our enemy from the get-go, right? But there's nothing we can do to change that. And we're going to realize that we can't change a certain group. If we were not fighting against them, the moderate Muslims would intervene and say that this is not acceptable. But even the moderate Muslims are saying that, well, you know, we're sitting here under attack or our brothers in other countries are under attack. And this radical behavior of a few of them is not so outrageous. But if they attacked like Costa Rica, for instance, who you know, has never had a, – <laughs> a, a, doesn't even have an army, then probably a lot more radical, uh, moderate Muslims would be, take offense to that and say, listen, we got to do something about this. And that would probably start with how do we frame our religion so that we can be a religion of love, which is what the Muslim religion in essence is and all religions in essence are. And how can we, you know, create an environment where we can discuss these things without having to, you know, fight an enemy? And if so, if there was no enemy, right, who would they be fighting? That's, that's I think, the point that's going to – that we're supposed to see here. And then I think more and, more and more people will see it as they start to realize that fighting against things don't work. That That's my only thought. What do you guys think about that? Well, it
2: – it, it it yeah I heard Steve's mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know these these are all very you know again these are very tough things to deal with you know there it's you know you're it's a you know a it's probably the right perspective but not an easy perspective yeah you know, because okay, when, because when you're in the heart of it even remotely you know, you feel, you know, you feel for it. You know, for example, like I said, I'm Jewish. yeah. And when I hear about a Palestinian attack or, a, you know, Gaza launching missiles at Israel, I go nuts. Yeah. You, know, you know, that's my, you know, my initial visceral reaction. You know, sure. how dare they yeah. you know, try to do that to, you know, in effect, my people, whether I like them or not.
1: <laughs> right, right. Um, and then how do you feel personally about um, them building... Um, communities on Palestinian lands. You know, you know I, the, well, I,
2: you know, I have issues with that.
1: Right. So you're moderate and you can see that, that that um, action out of a few extremists will say is, can be, you know, a violation of some agreement or, or something here. And you, you can say, listen, you guys, you cannot do that. We're supposed to live peacefully. But when the Palestinians throw rockets at you, you're like, screw them. We're going to, you know, we're going to annihilate them.
2: Well, you know, frankly, in the last war, you know, my initial reaction was go in, get the arms, go get anyone who's, you know, and 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 not, you know, not the people, not all the people and try to avoid civilian casualties. Mm -hmm. But but definitely, you know, my thought was go in and knock out those tunnels and knock out those missiles. And if some people have to die as a result, so be it.
1: Mm -hmm. But did it work?
2: No, unfortunately.
1: It can't work, right? That's the whole problem. That's the whole thing that people are going to come to realize, that that that's just not going to work. There's no way we can um, get all of them. And when you try to get all of them, you're going to have some collateral damage, and the collateral damage is going to fuel the anger of you know, people and the children are going to be raised with this anger and they're going to grow up to be more terrorists. And so it's a cycle that you can't stop by uh, fighting against. And that is the only point Joshua's trying to make here. Um, Let's go ahead and read Samantha's question and see if we can get more insight straight from Joshua rather than from us trying to figure it out ourselves. Perfect. So, Steve, you want to go ahead and read that?
3: Sure thing. Um, Dear Joshua, I have a question regarding Paris and the recent attacks. It's a tricky one to put into words, really. I have, a, I have friends in Paris and former clients there, too. This small part of me, my ego, feels slightly guilty for not being more concerned about their welfare. But I think it's because I know on a deeper level they are perfectly safe. However, far from hearing all the uplifting stories I was hoping to hear, okay, there have been one or two, it's like the world has been ta- has taken a nightmare pill, to quote Marianne Williamson. You want me to continue? Well,
1: yeah, no, that's good. So um, really, after 9-11, there was just this outpouring of love and support for New York City that was unbelievable. And she's saying from, you know, where she is – I mean – we used to spend more time thinking about the firemen and the policemen who went in there to save everyone and how brave they were. Um, and we heard tons of stories about that, and there were movies about it, and it was really an amazing thing. But she's saying that in France, there's not these stories of, of that right now. So um, let's go on to the next paragraph.
3: Okay. The mass fear has risen to a whole new level. People who are usually peaceful and rational are at war with each other, even on my Facebook feeds. Solution? Stay off social media? Even Pam Grout was attacked for daring to focus on love for Paris and its people in her recent blog. It's like the muggles were taking a step forward before, but now they're trying to throw all of humanity back to the dark ages, darkest ages of fear and taking several steps backwards their anger is turning sour and spiraling out of control, so they are hurting even their nearest and dearest in an attempt to make sense of it.
1: Can okay, go to the next one?
3: The attack, this attack, while smaller than 9-11, but definitely not any less relevant to humanity, seems to have ignited a greater hatred than ever, than even the immediate aftermath of the Twin Towers. Or is this because the American mentality is far more focused on positivity and coming together as one? I had to walk away from And changed the conversation numerous times this weekend even with complete strangers it's strange because i honestly didn't have paris on my mind i live far away from the city in a very tranquil place yet the fear seemed to have made its way to people here in our small town in much the same way as paris will humanity ever move forward we're so-called on the brink of seeing beneath the veil on the brink of a new level of consciousness the weekend's activities seem to have plunged 99% of humanity further into doom and gloom mentality as well as a huge bitterness.
1: And I think her point there about 9-11 was that we were not um, afraid. We, we did stand together as one, as a country, I think. Um, and so I think what she's feeling there is that everyone is in, in fear of an attack happening to them. Um, and and even though nine eleven was on a larger scale, it did seem that like you know we were united. Did, did it feel like that to you, Michael, being in New York? Oh,
2: there was no question. There, you know, there mm-hmm. was no such thing as a Democrat or a Republican at that point. We right. were all Americans. People were wearing their you know the American flag lapel pins. Yep. There was a lot of fear, though. There was fear that that was the first of what was going to be a, what were going to be many attacks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah. remember the news media was feeding it like crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: you know, and I couldn't, you know, uh, frankly, my wife and I couldn't watch the news reports anymore. I said, just shut the television or forget news. There was no tel- there was no television. Everything, yeah. every few minutes they kept on showing the uh, the towers falling right. and people running.
1: Right. Did you think that there was going to be another attack on New York in the days or weeks to follow?
2: There was a lot of fear about that. Yeah, okay. huge, yeah. huge, huge How amount you, of fear.
1: You, as a person, did you, were you personally uh, fearful?
2: You know, I, I was. You know, I was not, and I'm not sure necessarily why I wasn't. I just felt like, you know, an attack had happened. I happened not to have been in New York City that day. I happened to be at a um, at an educational uh, con. You know, a, a continuing legal education conference in New York, in uh, White Plains that morning when it happened. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, I go through Grand Central every day. I've been doing it for years. I travel throughout New York City, have been doing it for years. Why has this changed anything? Why right. should I feel any less safe today? Yeah. And in, and... Fa- and in fact, there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of very heavily armed military people and SWAT teams and everything else. I said, if anything, I feel safer.
1: Yeah, true.
2: That was a great way to look at it. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what was interesting to me was that there was, um, you know, I've been in World Trade Center a bunch of times. And just in the lobby, it seemed like there's more than 3,000 people. You know, I mean, when those buildings are full, there's hundreds of thousands of people, aren't there?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, so- it, was, it was early in the morning. A, had, they, had the attack occurred about an hour later, you know, the number of, of deaths would not have been in the thousands. It would have been in tens of thousands.
1: Sure, yeah. So it was just sort of – that's an amazing aspect of it as well. And I have friends who tell stories of how for whatever reason they just weren't in uh, – I have a really good friend that I play poker with and he worked in that building. And, and uh, he said it was just this weird thing that he didn't go into work that day. He went into work every day and he was always there by 7 in the morning. He was a stockbroker. Um, but for that one day, there was something happened that he wasn't there. And oh, we heard, we heard we heard
2: quite a, yeah. We know quite a few stories like that. In fact, my wife's former boss was in that building. Yeah, when we knew it, I thought he was dead. It yeah. turned out it turned out that his mother. You know, he was driving into Manhattan. He was driving into his office. He got a call from his wife, and the message was, "Turn around, your mother just died."
1: Wow. See? Okay, so let's read uh, Joshua's answer, because it's going to talk about that.
3: Well, actually, uh, Samantha had a PS. Well, yeah, don't don't
1: worry about the PS. Let's just go through this one, because that just goes
3: into another topic. Dear Samantha, you are right. The world has gone even more mad than before. Humanity is on the brink of a new level of consciousness. People are awakening to the fact that there is more going on than they can see. There are great changes coming. The world is moving from fear to love. The terrorist attacks, the school shootings, the police incidents, and all other such events you would call tragedy are the manifestation events that are beginning to change people's perception of reality.
1: All right, go to the next one real quick.
3: Before you move from fear to peace and love, you must become aligned vibrationally with the concept of acceptance. You cannot know something until you've reached vibrational alignment with it. You want peace, harmony, love, and security. If you, as a people, do not have that which you want, it is because you are not a vibrational match to it. In order to become a match, there is nothing you have to do other than allow the changes to be made to your vibration. The universe will present manifestation events that are designed to bring you to a new level of awareness and consciousness. These events will challenge your belief system. Because of your beliefs, you will judge the events as wrong or bad. But there is no wrong anywhere in the universe. This is a primary fact. It is the first phrase we wrote through Gary. If there is no such thing as wrong, then what makes it wrong is your belief system and your perspective, and they are at odds with what it is you really want. Alter your beliefs and perspective, and you will become changed. This change will raise your vibration so that it aligns with what is wanted.
1: Does that make sense to you guys?
2: It does. You know, it's interesting. You know, after, you know, even after, you know, kind of reliving some of the memories of 9 11, you know, I felt, uh, I felt some energy drain from me. And then as Steve was uh, doing his very, uh, you, know, his, you know, his good reading of, uh, of what Joshua just wrote. And by the way, you have a great—you know—you could be the imitation of uh, Joshua Steve. You have a great reading voice. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, but, you know, as you were reading it, I felt uplifted.
1: Yeah, me too.
3: Yes, and that's what I love about this is that it can take something, and just and 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 this is a feeling universe of our physical reality, and if it makes you feel better, that that's mm, that's what it's all about.
1: I got chills when you read it.
2: Yeah. And, and I had re- and I had read it before too, but when you read it out li- in particular, when you just read it out loud, I you know I really felt you know I, I felt like a, 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 this dark energy just lift.
1: I think it's because we we spent a few minutes talking about how we felt as humans, and then when Joshua speaks and speaks so clearly, it just we sort of come to align with you know what we really do want is peace, love, harmony, and security. And if we're not getting it, it's because we're not yet aligned with that. Okay, go on to the next paragraph.
3: And just, I just want to add that Joshua, this is Joshua's answer to most things that come up in life. It's, it's all about this. You need, the universe is vibrationally helping you change so that you can get what you want. So, okay, right. I'll move on here. Yeah. When you ask for something, the universe answers and it is given. If you do not have that thing you want, it is because you are not yet a vibrational match to it. That's okay. The universe will help you become vibrationally ready by presenting you with challenges to your perspective and belief system. If you resist, you'll feel negative emotion. That bad feeling emotion is your indication that your perspective is not aligned with a version of you that will be ready for what you want. If you can alter your perspective and as a result you feel better, then you have raised your vibration and you'll be ready for the next manifestation event that will help you, help to shape your perspective and beliefs even further. In a short while, as long as you are not resisting, your vibration will be raised enough so that the thing you really want actually manifests into your reality. This is simply how the mechanism of physical reality functions.
1: That's all there is to it. You want something. You are not a match to it because your beliefs, um, primarily, are. Uh, opposed to it, and the universe is going to place you into these situations that challenge your belief, and if you can stop and think about it and say, you know, this belief that I have is not helping me, it's limiting me, I need to think about this from a different perspective, then that's when your, your beliefs are, you know, your limited beliefs are reduced in intensity and your vibration changes as a result because you feel better
3: and and the first thing you got to the first thing that pops up for me is that i don't feel good. And right. then you then that triggers okay, why am i not feeling good? What is the right. belief that i feel has been violated by whatever i'm thinking about right now? Because that's the belief that's false and that's yeah. what you have to work on minimizing or changing your perspective on.
1: So, i think that the majority of people who saw the attacks in Paris felt fear that they could happen to them. And that is, you know. So, what do you do? You cancel your trip to Paris, or you you hide out in your house, or whatever. And these are things are all things that limit you. Well,
3: you're you're doing what makes you feel better,
1: in a way. Mm, well, you don't feel good. I mean, yeah. So you are. So choosing not to go to Paris. I don't know. Does that make you feel I, a bit? Are you.
2: <laughs> well, I think what, if it you're maybe a little less bad. Is yeah. You know, yeah, is, is that? but is that the way we want to live is the question.
1: Well, if you get angry at someone, it really makes you feel good to punch them, but it's not helping you.
2: Well, you're in a lower vibrational state.
1: Right, and so any decision you make from a lower vibrational state is going to be a low vibration action.
3: So that decision to not go to Paris is made from a fear-based stance, right? but it does make you feel better, and you are going up that ladder of, of emotion, you know, better yeah. emotions.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't help because it's um, – the action that you took from that lower you know, emotional state of being goes against what you really want. And if you, if you had said, no, I'm going to Paris and I'm not going to be afraid, you would have a wonderful time in Paris. You'd show support. You'd see the outpouring of love. You'd, you'd be like one of the few Americans there. So the, the Parisian people would be like, thank you for coming and supporting us. You'd see all this love. Um,
2: and if and nothing that, else, you wouldn't have to make fewer reservations.
1: It, it, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but,
3: but if you were, but if you, but if you were pushing through it, like let's say you really were in a fear-based state, and you weren't, you were just going, "I know I should do this," but you weren't truly ready for it, and you did have some overriding fears, that you would go to Paris, and you, those you would not have an ideal time because right. of the That's, you were in. Yeah,
1: right. But yeah, but if you could um, pull yourself out of that low emotional state of being, um, realize that it is fear-based, and you know. For, we went to South Africa um, right after nine eleven, and we were literally the only Americans in South Africa because nobody was traveling outside of the country. Um, and we had we you know we went to um, I don't know flying I guess people weren't flying as much back then, but we had no issues. Everything was the most worked out perfectly. We went to Athens first and stayed there a few days. On the way back to and back and spent a whole you know five weeks with the family it was. Really great, but the but literally there was not one other American we saw in the whole time we were there. It was incredible. Yeah. but we didn't. And, and, prob- and it probably awards. was the ideal time to go. It was unbelievable. What happened was <laughs> the exchange rate went from eight rand to a dollar to fourteen rand to a dollar, and we were millionaires. <laughs> we, <laughs> <laughs> Everything was so cheap. Okay, so I'll go on to the next one. Um, okay, go ahead. You as an individual
3: okay thanks you as an individual can become aligned with peace love and acceptance whether your fellow man neighbor or even family members are aligned with you it is always an individual thing as you become personally aligned with love and you are then perfectly aligned with the power of the universe you will affect the mass consciousness of your society one who is aligned with love is more powerful than millions who are aligned with fear Your individual acceptance of the laws of the universe will not only be of great personal benefit to you, but your example will become a beacon to others. You cannot preach what you know. You can, however, be fearless in your resolve to love unconditionally.
1: Very good. Okay, go to the next one.
3: So we see you as aligned with love. We see that your perspective on this subject is in tune with who you really are you understand that the manifestation event called the Paris attacks was created by those involved not to instill fear, but to bring about love. If this is your perspective, and you feel positive emotion when thinking about this event in this way, then you can be assured that you are aligned with love, not fear. But if you are thinking that the attacks are wrong, that the terrorists are bad, and that the victims were unlucky innocents, then you are aligned with fear and you will feel negative emotion in the form of hatred and outrage. In an attempt to feel better, you will insist on revenge and retaliation. You will want to annihilate your perceived enemy. You will lash out at others who seek peace because you fear that that those people will stand in the way of your revenge and you believe that revenge is the only way you will ever feel better. But this is a false premise, and it will not work. It simply goes against the laws of the universe. Okay. So,
1: Going to the next one there.
3: If you can see that these terrorist attacks, school shootings, and other such events are manifestation events designed to bring humanity what they really want, and you feel better as a result of looking at these subjects from the higher perspective, then you are personally on the right track. However... You must also see that everyone else who is operating in the old approach to life is simply reacting out of fear. They will make you wrong because it makes them feel better when others agree with their beliefs. Everyone is motivated to do whatever they can do to feel better. They are simply in a state of resistance. They feel powerless.
1: Right. So even if you personally can look at this event and events like it in a way that makes you feel better you don't have to change how other people feel about it and you can allow them to make you wrong if they want to because they're just trying to make themselves feel better you don't have to defend your position at all
3: and and you can see it is there's nothing wrong with how they're reacting or perceiving to it right
1: it's all working out perfectly yeah right okay next
3: one okay if you can see that these terrorist attacks, no, nope. nope. next oh, paragraph. Nope. Oh, sorry. <laughs> as as the events continue to occur, people will begin to question their beliefs. When they stop seeing the terrorists as wrong and the school shooters as evil, they will awaken to a new approach to life. Some will find teachers such as us who will help them see a new perspective. Soon others will follow. You are one of the few pioneers. You are personally more advanced than most. This is your gift, yet it can feel lonely on the leading edge of thought. But as you continue to raise your vibration, as you accept the actions of the fearful masses that surround you, you can see them from the higher perspective as well. When you look at them and feel compassion rather than annoyance, you have altered your perspective and you have raised your vibration even higher. You are more loved than you can imagine, everything is working out perfectly. You were doing very well indeed, and we are excited to see what comes next, Joshua.
1: Right. So, so the process of these events is um, to alter people's beliefs, and it may happen just a couple people at a time. And as people, maybe it's because people feel powerless, and they then they seek out ways to feel better, and then they find Abraham or Joshua or. Anybody else, you know, and then this leads them into a different, uh, you know, approach to life or a different way of thinking, and maybe this solves the issue once and for all over the long term. Who knows? Hmm.
2: Yeah, but these are, yeah, these are not easy things to digest. I, you know, again, I heard Steve's, mm.
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, You know, it's funny because Janine, too, we've been talking to Janine as well. And so she just so happened to have this, um, you know, weekend course to do uh, while we're talking about this very difficult topic. And she says, you know, uh, look how it worked out that I don't have to be on the show and talk about this because, you know, it confronted a lot lot of her beliefs as well. And certainly you out there listening to this right now, it's you're going to think what, you know. That uh, you know, this is all very tough to talk about, and but that's fine. You know, there's a purpose for it all, and we're, we'll all get there eventually.
3: I I wanted to go back to last week. I mentioned my son mentioned the comment about he didn't like being taken out of the movie, mm. and 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 I'm I'm kind of looking at this Paris attack thing as as I mean, if you want to look at it from the higher perspective, it it was like a movie, and everybody played a role. And and you could almost see it uh, from a let's say before they even came here. I mean this might have been planned out um, prior to their incarnation in this physical reality and they were like, you know they could be signing up like who wants to play the terrorist? who wants to play the victim? who you know right. okay, I'll do it, I'll do it and then they this all unfolded and we we don't we come here to this physical reality without remembering all of our past lives without we know all this stuff right but we deliberately forget so that we can get into the role of the movie so i'm i i'm able to feel better about other people because i want to reach out and just tell everybody hey it nothing happened here right it it was all you know but that's taking them out of the movie and i think because we deliberately forget there must be a reason it must be to to get involved in the movie and maybe that's these reactions they're they're visceral right there you're feeling
2: and that's what this is a feeling universe and
3: so i'm actually good
2: you say that because you know i'm reading the uh you know i'm reading joshua's book a perception of reality and he talks about that that people you know that each each soul each spirit if you may you know is coming into you know is coming into this physical reality to, to try to experience certain things and sometimes the experiences are what we, you know, on this plane would say is not, you know, is, is not a good experience, poverty, illness, whatever, you know, but it's an experience to be had, and then afterwards the desires can change.
1: Yeah. Right, And exactly. they're,
2: all, they're all valuable.
1: They're all valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you guys, this was um, a really interesting show, and next week we will talk about some topic that is really fun and happy. overeating yeah overeating (laughs) that's right that's right full from thanksgiving exactly (laughs) or Um,
2: screaming too much of it when our when the football team we're rooting for goes down in flames
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) well we're i'm a dolphins fan so i'm having issues with dolphins right now and uh, you're a giants fan are you a giants fan or jets fan i'm more of a jets fan but i definitely. Uh, both teams and
2: seeing the jets go down to the bills on the, on that thursday night game was painful seeing the giants almost squeak it out to the against <sighs> the patriots was was hopeful but yep. still but still hurt a little bit and i'm still smarting from the mets
1: yeah right <laughs> <laughs> well uh, so we're going to talk about fun stuff next week again if you want to read this question yourself or any of the questions that Joshua gets, go to the website at theteachingsofjoshua.com We thank you so much for listening to the show We love being on having the show and talking about these things Send your questions through uh, to Joshua or to us through the website and we'll see you all again next week Have a happy week Bye-bye. Okay. Bye 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 everybody
0: Thanks for listening to the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable with Gary Temple Bodley We will be back next week with another fun discussion. If you would like to ask Joshua a question or read more of Joshua's teachings, please visit us at theteachingsofjoshua.com. See you next week.